I am John Bradford. I'm here with Kyle Goodwin, Paul Nerland. We are the hosts of the Exhorter Podcast, where we aim to stir up love and good works through bite-sized biblical discussion. Uh, this week, Kyle is going to lead us off on a, a topic. Uh, Kyle, what do you have for us? Evangelism. I think every Christian probably agrees that evangelism is hugely important. And I think we all agree that saving souls is is our mission. Mm-hmm. But can we also agree that maybe it's something that most of us struggle with? We all struggle with, uh, it's not my talent, or I get socially awkward, or I don't even know where to start. Especially since I don't even know if it's legal to walk up to people's houses anymore. I, I mean, unless you have DoorDash you're handing out. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's probably a faux pas these days to walk up to people's houses. Well, major, major cultural shift too. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when, when we were kids and someone would knock on the door, you'd be pushing your brothers to try and answer the door first because it was a privilege. Someone's at the door. It's exciting. And now when someone knocks on the door, you look at your wife, say, did you order food? Or just look at the ring. I'm going to look at my app and check them out. Yeah, society's different. And, you know, we're adjusting to being in a digital age. There are so many factors that work against us, but we can all agree that saving souls is something we all think is important, but doing the work of evangelism can be very intimidating. And it's something that I think most of us can agree we struggle with. Mm-hmm. So I want to share a story in Acts chapter eight, a very well-known story. Philip the evangelist meets a eunuch from Ethiopia, and it's a great way to examine Philip's method, to examine and break down the way Philip approached this interaction and take some notes on how we can maybe apply the same things and help overcome some of our hesitancy when it comes to evangelism. Let me begin by just reading the first couple verses of this story, and then we'll analyze it a little bit. Now, in Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26, it says, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, arise, go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert. So he arose and went and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship was returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah, the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him and reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. We'll read a little more of the story in just a moment. But right there, we see how Philip approaches this complete stranger. Now, is that something intimidating to either of you guys? How might you break the ice? How do you start a conversation? Or perhaps we start a conversation about something very nonchalant or random, say sports or the weather. But how do you turn a conversation into something spiritual? So how do you break the ice if you want to start a spiritual dialogue with someone? So I think you nailed the challenge, um, Kyle, is, is how do you go from talking about the weather or sports to eternity? How do you make that transition? And I don't know that there's one answer that's there, but I think in the text that you just brought up, there's going to be an example we'll talk about, and you're going to bring some examples up later. But I do think that in world events or what's going on in their lives, there's opportunity to shift to the eternal. So uh, whether it be something happening in the world. um, Well, Jesus did a good job of that very thing in John chapter four with the woman at the well. Yeah. I didn't want to go there because I knew you were getting there. Okay. Yeah. Well, and we can bring these examples in in different ways too, but yeah, Jesus does the exact, that exact thing in John chapter four with the woman at the well. It's a conversation that starts with, would you please fetch me some water from this well? And that turns into a discussion about living water and, and concepts of who the Messiah is and what proper worship should be. And so Jesus just very casually shifts this 
conversation into a topic that is very meaningful, but it started with just something as simple as, can I have a drink of water? Kyle, a number of years ago, there was a class and they put together some material that started with a simple question. Do you know without a doubt, if you were to die tonight, that you would go to heaven? And that's a tough question to just dive into, but sometimes there's leading conversations that gets them there and Depending on the person's answer, if they say yes, well, now you delve into what they believe. If they say no, a door's open to talk about it. If they say, I don't know, you still have a door open. And it led you through ways to talk to them, just depending on their answer to that question. Well, it starts with a question. And that's the thing. There's not one right answer. I hope that's not what you take away from today's episode. There's not one right formula, but there are some ways that work. Asking a question is generally the right way. If you come into a conversation and simply start telling somebody, you might be telling them truthful things about the gospel and what they need to do, that's probably not going to be very well received versus if you start with a question and get them involved, get them thinking. And a lot of times, like Paul suggested, if you ask a question, it can really lead to some discovery about who they are and what their motivations are, because that can be really useful in helping you decide, how do I proceed with this conversation? How do I proceed with teaching this individual? You ask some questions and you'll learn a lot about their motives, their perspective, what their concerns are. Yeah, I know that we don't necessarily like correlating sales with you know evangelism all the time, but I, I've seen some master salesmen never make a statement at all. Their goals and their strategy and their tactic, anytime someone asks you a question, you respond with a question until basically they've sold themselves on what they need based upon what you're asking them. So, I mean, that's a great tactic in life in general. And you can't really presume to know anything about what that person's dealing with, whether they're reading, whether they go to church. You can't presume to know anything about them until you've asked enough of those questions to really get them comfortable with the conversation, too. Right. That's why a formulaic approach to evangelism doesn't particularly work, because each person you're going to encounter is going to come with a different level of spiritual knowledge or maturity. And you have to adapt your approach based upon what you learn about them in conversation. So it has to begin with questions. Now, Philip's question might seem a little bold or direct. Do you understand what you're reading? It might seem a little direct, but look at the results here. Maybe next time you see someone with their Bible open at Starbucks or at Cup of Joy, maybe try this one and see what kind of results you get. Well, you don't have to say it in that kind of way. You can just say, oh, what are you reading? Oh, what do you get from that? Right? That's, that's yeah. a little different than, do you understand? Are you a Christian? That might, you know? be, a little, that might be a little bold. but Right. right. But you know, what are you getting from that? Yeah. Do you enjoy that scripture? At the end of the day, we have to get over our fear or apprehension of engaging people. Maybe that's just part of our digital society where we don't really interact face-to-face much anymore, but I don't think the Bible is really going to be taught. I don't think evangelism is really going to be successful apart from face-to-face interaction and conversation. So we've got to bridge that gap. One of my favorite stories, this is a few years old now, but in 2014, the at the time, the record-setting Girl Scout cookie sale was held by a sixth grader named Katie Francis out of Oklahoma City. She was asked about her success in selling over 18,000 boxes of Girl Scout cookies. And her answer about what's the secret recipe for your success, she said there's three ingredients to selling cookies. There's lots of time, lots of commitment, and I have to ask everybody that I see to buy. And that's just so simple. You'd think there has to be some gimmick or scheme to be that successful. It's really a very simple formula. Be committed to it have the time to do it, and talk to everyone you see about it. 
Kyla, I'm reminded, as you know, of uh, of Norton Dye, former evangelist, former elder at this congregation, but many people here know and respect him. And to me, still one of the better evangelizers I've ever seen. And I remember asking him, what's your secret? You know, how do you do this? And I sat down kind of waiting for some profound quote of what he was going to say. How do you get so many Bible studies? And his answer was, I just ask him. Yeah. I mean, that was it. it. It's and a numbers he, game. It was a numbers game with him. He'd ask people at the checkout stand. Yep. Right? I guarantee you Norton was rejected and turned down by more people than you or I yep. ever will be. But that's the price he had to pay for having way more Bible studies than either of us have combined, probably. And he didn't always ask him just once. But when sometimes something happened in their life that made them think about God in a way they hadn't before, um, they remembered that Norton had started a conversation and had asked the question. Yeah, and there has to be a certain amount of persistence. What we see with Philip, as we go back to our story in Acts chapter 8, is, you know, this was served up to him pretty easily, but also it required a little bit of a pursuit on Philip's part. The Spirit told him where to go, and he sees the chariot, hears him reading Isaiah, and God tells him, go and catch up, go and overtake this chariot, go pursue it. Oftentimes with evangelism, there has to be a certain element of pursuit, of persistence. You know, sometimes we think of this verse in Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 6, that talks about do not cast pearls before swine or do not give what is holy to dogs. And sometimes we think and relate that to evangelism that, well, if someone's not listening, if someone's not interested, I shouldn't waste my time on a dead end alley if it's not going to go anywhere. I think sometimes we throw in the towel a little too quickly, though, and we need some persistence here. Yeah, I've heard people use that that too with with certain people uh you you just need to cut your losses and use that scripture in that way and and there certainly comes a point in time where you know yeah maybe there's other people that are interested in listening this person they've not shown any interest if i have other ways to be spending my time on people that are more interested maybe there is a time and place to say i, I got to stop spending time trying to work on this one person and go to these people that are definitely receptive but sometimes we throw in that towel a little too quickly the low hanging fruit right so i mean obviously yeah. there are people who are warm leads right or low hanging fruit and and i've heard preachers talk about hot leads, cold leads, warm leads, you know, and when you have a hot lead, someone that is very interested and expressed a a desire to learn about the Bible, you drop everything and give all your attention to that person. You know, if you have a dozen cold leads, someone that you maybe have never met this person, but someone told you, I've got a friend and I want them to to go to church with me, or I want them to, to do a Bible study. You don't know if they're even interested, but you have one person that is definitely interested. Well, there has to be a sense of urgency here. You see, Philip dropped everything and this was how he was going to spend his day now because there was an urgency. There was a need and Philip recognized, here's the opportunity. I'm not going to miss it. I'll go into the chariot and I'll sit down and study with this guy. Kyle, that reminds me that a lot of times in our minds, we think I'm going to wait for the perfect time the perfect opportunity. And there's someone that I know well, and I'm going to talk to that person, but it's going to be perfect. I'm going to have my Bible. I will have studied. I'll be confident. Everything will be perfect. And then that opportunity never comes and we look back and we regret it. So I think to your point, it it's never something that is prepared for. You just, you just have to have that conversation to get it started. Right. Well, and when it comes to who you're going to study with, we need to be sure we're not discriminating because sometimes we, we start to think, if I want to evangelize, you look around the church and think, who would fit in here? Who's like close to being a Christian? Who who already looks like they belong in this church? And then we go and, and focus only on people that, that look like they already belong. And you think about how Jesus was accused of being a friend of sinners. 
we've got to go out of our comfort zone sometimes and talk to people. I mean, this is a great example. Philip is talking to, I mean, he's not a Jew. He's a a eunuch from Ethiopia. He's an outsider, but he's interested and he's worth the effort on Philip's part because his soul is equally valuable to anyone else's. We've got to not be afraid of someone that is of a different race or background than us or someone that has maybe even a different economic level or different economic tier than we are. Uh, we, We better not be discriminating with who we're sharing the gospel with. So Kai, when you're talking about barriers, I just wanted to admit some of my own failures in that regard. Um, years ago, you know, we used to give flyers out, whether we have an event here at the church. And so we would get out and just go door to door and and leave flyers. And I remember it was a little intimidating. I hate to say this, but I almost went to the door hoping no one was there because if they came, I'd have to confront somebody and give them you something. The, you weren't the only one. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh no, someone's home. Oh no. Um, well, I remember I came to a door and it was a you know, beautiful looking house. The flower bed was immaculate. The grass was immaculate. And I came to the door and the sweet old lady opened the door. And I thought she looked like a grandmother that was going to give me cookies. I mean, just loving, at least that's what she appeared. She slammed the door in my face and said, get out of here. Don't ever come back. And it was totally not what I expected. And so that didn't help. So I, you know, we're moving down the neighborhood, come to a house that's, you know, pretty rough. There's cars in the driveway, oil all over the place. The grass is all dead. The plants are all dead. And there's a gentleman that comes out and just you know, long, unkempt hair, tatted up all over the place and, and you know, look, just looked like a pretty rough guy. I'll just leave it at that. And I thought, do I really want to go up and give this flyer to this guy? <laughs> I don't think, you know, and what I was doing, Kyle, was I was doing exactly what you said is I was kind of pre-judging in my head, saying no for him before I ever talked to him. Right. But I did. I went up to him. I, I gave him the flyer. And I almost was ready to okay, I'm going to run out of here and expect him to reject me as the old lady did. But he didn't. He said, thank you. God bless you. Totally wasn't what I expected. And so I just want to concede uh, that sometimes we do that in evangelism. And that was an experience that just, it just, I'll never forget it because I caught myself doing it in that experience. Yeah, I'd say I don't think you're the only one. It's a very common perspective of just not knowing what you're going to get. And I mean, no, we all avoid conflict, you know? I mean, that's natural. It's natural to want to avoid conflict. And we all kind of assume we're going to have conflict maybe where we're not going to have it. Well, and we don't like rejection. So we want to focus our evangelistic effort where we think we're going to get a positive response. But you read the parable of the sower in Mark chapter four. Why is the master scattering seed on the wayside? on the path among the thorns. Why isn't he being more careful about where he scatters the seed? Is there a lesson there for us that we should scatter the seed? That means teach and talk about the Bible indiscriminately because you never know where it's going to take root and bear fruit. Do you know when I've done those flyers and I felt my most emboldened to walk up to people who are standing out in their driveway? So when I had my kids with me, Mm -hmm. I didn't want my kids to see me shying away from walking up there and starting a conversation with someone. You know, I can't tuck and run from this opportunity to, you know, invite someone to a gospel meeting. So I do remember that I said, take James with me and I was a little bit more emboldened. If you're pregnant and you were planning to be pregnant, you tell everyone about it, right? It's a big deal. 
And you just can't not talk about it. When you have cute little kids, I show people pictures of Navy and Bay, you know, complete strangers, because it's good news. We have no problem talking about good news. Maybe our problem is we don't think about this as good news. But that's a good point, because I think there's so much internal work that we can do on ourselves. Like a good litmus test to why we are not great at evangelism is not being secure in our own faith and not being secure enough to talk about it. Right. So the first half of our story is about striking up that conversation. If we look at the second half of the story, I think we deal with the other half of the evangelism equation that people are intimidated by, and that's what do we say to someone? We start with questions, but at some point, those questions are going to lead to teaching. You've got to be able to instruct. So if we look over the rest of the story, he sees that Philip is reading from Isaiah, and it says here uh, in verse 35 that Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. And so as they went down to the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. So the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. So those simple words, he preached Jesus. That's what he taught. Started with questions to kind of gauge where this person was coming from, but then it turned into, let's start with this text in Isaiah, and from there he preached Jesus. Where do you guys go to? Where do you guys begin? When you reach that point, you've asked some questions, you've built a relationship or a friendship, you've had some conversation, and now it's time to teach and instruct. Where do you guys think is a good place to start? Kyle, I would say it depends where they're at. If they're already a believer in God in the Bible, because I've started sitting down with some and we open the Bible and they don't believe in the Bible. So we need to back up further to make sure we know where do they stand when it comes to their faith in God and their faith in the Bible. Because if they don't have faith in that, we need to step back further. So sometimes that's the starting point is where are they? Right. Because you can't have a conversation about the Bible if you guys aren't even in the same ballpark on whether the Bible is truthful or accurate. My recommendation is always the gospel of Mark, because if you're going to do a study, if you want to put some material together or find, I I get asked this from time to time, what's some good material for teaching people about the Bible? (laughs) I sarcastically want to answer the Bible. Uh, But the problem is when you do something that's topic-based, it can be confusing to someone who is unfamiliar with the scriptures. It feels like you're jumping around from one book to another and they don't know their way around the Bible, and it just feels like you might be proof-texting something. I like sticking to a text, not one of the larger books of the Bible, because that can seem daunting. Mark is the shortest of the Gospels. It's designed for a Roman audience who is unfamiliar with the Old Testament. Mark is perfect for the, the modern American that you might be teaching the Bible to. It's short and condensed. It's to the point, and you can go chapter through chapter and stay on task and not get so confusing and jumping all over the place and just let the text do the work for you. But also, I'll just say this, if you're intimidated by teaching, not all of us are are teachers. I think inviting someone, talking about the Bible, that's, that's an ability that all of us should have in the body of Christ. But Ephesians chapter four says that he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as teachers. We could go and read in the first Corinthian letter about the uh, the metaphor of the body that we're not all an eye, we're not all a hand, we all have a different function. If you need to recruit a teacher, if you can accomplish inviting someone, that's great. But if you're intimidated by the teaching or you think you might not be the best, maybe you've asked some questions and learned that they're pretty knowledgeable. Maybe they're misunderstanding, but they're very knowledgeable, and I feel like I need some help. Well, 
That's what the preacher's for at church. That's what the elders are for. You can bring them in and do a group study. If you need to bring in a teacher, we can do that. That is certainly fair game for evangelism. So Kyle, Mike Wilson put together some material a few years ago that I think went along these lines. And whether it was the book of Mark or the book of Luke, um, I agree. Just doing a, a study of the life of Jesus in itself. And I think we need to step back and remember that that is what does the convicting, not not what we say. But the word of God, the example of Jesus and, and his teaching. Um, the other thing I'll just mention, and this is not mine, but Mike Wilson's, but sometimes before you even get to Luke, he would start with the book of Ecclesiastes just to lay out the vanity of life without God. And that would be the hook. And once that convicted them, they were more interested in the gospel. So he's got some great material that essentially guides you to that, but talks about basically you study the book of Ecclesiastes, then you go to the book of Mark or the book of Luke. Right. Ecclesiastes is another great starting point. Again, there's not one formula or one path to take with evangelism. So excellent. I never really thought of it starting with Ecclesiastes, Paul, but the last verse in Ecclesiastes, fear God, keep his commandments, this is man's all. I mean, that is a great lead into then, well, what are the commandments, right? Well, let's go find out what Jesus preached and then run right into Mark. Thanks for you know providing that too, because I always turn to the 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes as meaning in life, right? You know, where we find the purpose of life. And so I think that's a great place to start. Well, and Mike Wilson's example was inviting people to a, a study in someone's home. So the concept is a group of people Somebody says, hey, I'm going to be the host. I need a Bible teacher. To Kyle's point, I've got a host. I've got a Bible class teacher. I need somebody to prepare some food. Would you prepare some food? I've got somebody, if, they're, if they have kids, can you help watch the kids? And then someone who may never come to church after one invite, but hey, we're doing a Bible study over someone's house on this book. You want to join us? And they may come to that. And so that was the concept. So I think it's really important to to have as many home Bible studies as possible because they're all going to be different environments. And those different environments, you want to have opportunities that are mixed environments for different types of people. They have kids. Oh, yeah, having a place where it's kid-friendly, you know, and they can bring their kids and they can focus on God's Word. Uh, I know that's a big deal for for um, young parents. So I, I, I like when you have a lot of those, you know, and, and also some people aren't, very comfortable around large groups, or they're not comfortable with their own knowledge base and not comfortable in speaking up in Bible classes because they're new or, you know, they don't think that they have as much uh, understanding of God's word. And so I think just having different environments for Bible studies, um, smaller groups, two or three people, finding people that are friends of those people or that they are comfortable with and starting Bible classes that way. I think those are really great ways of doing it. Everyone's got a part to play. One thing, though, I do want to point out is that at some point, you don't want to start with this, but evangelism must be convicting as well, because the eunuch is baptized, and we know that baptism is for forgiveness of sins. So the conclusion is someone's not going to be baptized if they don't recognize they have sins that need forgiveness. So part of Philip's preaching Jesus to this eunuch was conviction of his sins. You don't start with that. I remember seeing quote unquote street preachers in downtown Portland once with all these hateful signs saying God hates these kind of people and God hates these people. And, you know, maybe they're identifying sins, but to start off with you're a sinner, you're horrible, God hates you. 
that is not going to accomplish anything positive. I guess if I could summarize or bring this conversation to a natural conclusion, uh, evangelism can often be inconvenient. It says that that God told Philip to go out in the desert, and after this conversion, it says the Spirit just snatched Philip away and sent him somewhere else. Uh, Where was Philip saying this? What did he want to do that day? Evangelism can often be inconvenient, but Philip recognized the urgency of this opportunity. I I think it's very sobering to read the parable of the the, the sower in Mark chapter four and read about the, the seed that is sown, sown among the thorns that hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Will you allow the cares of this world? Will you allow other constraints on your time to choke out your fruitfulness, to keep you from being evangelistic and sharing the light with others? Evangelism is hard work. It requires persistence, sacrifice, time, commitment, and it's very often inconvenient. But read about the joy. Read about how this eunuch rejoices when his sins are forgiven and understand that there's probably no more satisfying feeling in this life than bringing the light of the gospel into someone else's life. Thanks, Kyle. That was a great topic for tonight. Um, And I love the questions there. Where are you in your effort of evangelism? Where are you uh, in this road of feeling comfortable expressing God's word to your neighbors, your coworkers, and people? Hopefully what we've talked about tonight will give you a good place to start from, starting with some questions uh, and then uh, finding a right path through the gospel based upon the needs of that person, what they need to hear. Uh, thank you for tuning in to this episode. We hope that you enjoy this and this will be beneficial for you. Make sure you remember to like and subscribe so you can get the notifications for this. We'll see you back next week and have a great week.